Would you turn with me to Psalm 130? I dealt with this psalm uh, briefly in a very general way uh, a few months ago, and I thought I would like to come to it because it has so much to say and to go a little more deeply into the verses themselves. In the general way that I dealt with it, it's a song of degrees. You might remember that I mentioned at that time that the priest of Rome still chant this psalm for souls that are suffering in purgatory. This is the psalm which they chant, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord, and that this is purgatorial suffering. Of course, we know that this is in the canon law, not in the Bible. There is no purging for the Christian. The Christian has been purged. You can't purge a dead man, aren't you glad? You died with Christ, you can't purge a dead man. And you're risen with him. And I tell you, they'll never purge Christ. You're risen with this glorious Savior. So while the priests of Rome still may chant for the souls said to be suffering in purgatory, this psalm has much more than that to say to the heart of the believer. Also, you'll notice that the Lord's name is used eight times in this psalm, the divine name. And uh, you'll also notice certain words are used quite uh, uh, noticeably. The crying out to the Lord, the waiting upon the Lord, the watching for him and hope that we have in Christ. Uh, all of these things we uh, dealt with. Uh, and uh, also I might mention that uh, to Luther this was one of the great psalms. Uh, when Luther was at uh, Coburg in 1530, uh, in his uh, dream he saw men with torches marching through his room. And it was a very frightening experience, and it happened several nights. And then uh, one night, uh, he pictured three men who had marched through his room with these torches. And uh, as a result of it, he uh, went into a faint, and his uh, servant who had been with him, serving with him, came in and helped him and uh, brought him back. And when he came back, the first thing he said was, let's sing Psalm 130 in four parts. Get two others so we can sing together. Let's sing this psalm in four parts. And so it, it tells in his life story how the men asked him and said, uh, what, what psalms are your favorite psalms? And Martin Luther said, the 32nd, the 51st, the 130th and the 143rd. Because he said, these psalms 
are Pauline Psalms because they speak of God's grace and his forgiveness for sin. And you, uh, I only read this just recently, and yet you'll remember many times I have said that David reminds me of Paul so much in much that he has to say. And if we were to go back to Romans, the fourth chapter, we would find that uh, David in speaking there said, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not sin. He knew what the forgiveness of God was, that it was by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We had no righteousness in ourselves, nothing that we merit before God, none of us, no matter who it is, preacher, people alike, there is no merit in us. And all it really requires is honesty. Isn't that true? All it really requires is honesty. Honesty with self. Honesty in really knowing ourselves. Honesty in looking into our own hearts. We don't have to look anywhere else for a sinner. We don't have to look at other people to find violence. We all can find it within our own breasts. How often have I said isn't it wonderful, beloved, that your thought life is not cast upon a screen for others to look at? What a dreadful moment it would be in homes if all the thoughts of a day were suddenly cast upon a screen for the family to look at, how terrible it would be. Isn't it good that man looks on the outward things but only God looks upon the heart? How blessed and how wonderful this is. And so uh, David uh, speaks in this psalm of the depths of sin. Uh, there is a universal despair that is in men's hearts that can only be assuaged by God. That despair is the despair of sin's weight. And I might say this, since here we're talking especially now, when we're in the Psalms, we're not speaking so much of the world. David speaks so much of those who are the children of faith. And I don't think there's any place where sin can be so tremendously felt as in the life of the Christian. When it comes in a Christian's heart, there is nothing worse nothing worse. Depths, if I can just use this one word. It says here, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. The first time that word Lord is used. Depth speaks of an inability to escape on one's own. There's nothing you can do for yourself. Christian, have you ever fallen into some deep sin? Have you ever fallen into sin? Deep, yes, this is sad, but sin itself. And oh, the terrible weight of it, to know that we have no capacity on our own to do anything for ourselves. We cannot deliver ourselves out of the depths have I cried unto thee, 
O Lord. We're ready to drown. May I say one of the marks of salvation and knowing that you're saved tonight is the tremendous weight that any sin brings to your soul. I say that again. One of the surest marks of the salvation of Christ in the human heart is that when you sin, the weight is tremendous upon your soul. And so when David says here, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord, he's speaking of that absolute inability to escape on his own. He must face his God. Sin is a matter between God and man. Sin is not a matter between me and you. David says, against thee and thee only have I sinned. It may affect my relationship to you, and we may be involved in sin, but the sin relationship is to God. The wages of sin is death, and that's God's judgment. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It doesn't matter whether the priest or the ministers or anybody else might cast a judgment upon you. This has nothing to do with it. It is only God who judges. I remind you that the Scripture continually says that we are not to judge lest we be judged. It is God who is the great judge, and he is the one who determines this sin that is in us. And our heart cries out to him. Out of the deepest depths do we cry to him. Have you ever felt that, Christian, that tremendous weight of some single sin that crushes you and that brings you down deep in the depths of despond and despair so that you cry out to God, Oh, Lord, be merciful to me. I am dying and I have sinned against thee. Have you felt that? This is the weight that a Christian feels. That is the only way you can understand sin. You will never understand Paul's words when he says, I am the chief of sinners and the least of the saints. What is he saying? Sin, like no one else in this universe, weighs upon my soul so heavy whenever I fall, that I feel that I am the chief of sinners and the least of the saints. Have you known that feeling in your breast? Or are you very glib when sin comes? It doesn't bother you too much. Then, beloved, I would be on my knees before God, seeking his face and asking what's wrong with me. I sin, and it doesn't bother me. If thou art my father, chasten me. For thou hast said that if I am thy son, thou wilt chasten me. Hast thou not said to me, Father, that whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son? Am I thy son? Am I in sin? If I am thy son, then chasten me. Make me feel the weight of the sin. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every, notice, every son, Hebrews 12, chapter. 
You cannot escape it. And so out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. This depth speaks of being outside, if I can put it this way, and I'm going to go very slowly so that you will get all of this. It's so important. I don't know how many of you, you know, uh, I love the Psalms. Christians should love the Psalms. The world outside thinks it's good poetry. But, oh, the Psalms have so much to say. They say Spurgeon spent half his life in the Psalms. Imagine, half his life in the Psalms. His greatest writings are in the Psalms, this great preacher of God. But they speak so much to our hearts. The depths speak of being outside the sphere of the family's help. The family can't do anything for you. You know, you may, you may be depressed in the family relationship. Isn't it strange how individual we are? A wife may not know, or a husband may not know, or the children may not know. No one will know but God, and that there may be the weight of some deep sin upon your soul. Maybe something that you'd want no one else in the world to know about. It may be that you steal off to, to read some lascivious book. Oh, let me tell you, Satan works. You don't think the newsstands affect Christians? Don't you fool yourself. I'd remind you, your flesh is not glorified yet. You've still got that same old flesh. And while we are directed by God to crucify it, and while we are directed by God that our flesh is to be in the grave of Christ and we're to leave it there, we sometimes take it in all of its stench and bring it forth and it controls us. And before we know it, we're involved in lewd imaginations and things that defile the human heart. Oh, how careful we have to be. Watch yourself. The family cannot even be conscious of it. You may come home depressed. A man may walk in depressed. Oh, it could be over a lot of other things now. Could be he's looked at the stock market and got upset. Could be a lot of other things. But I want to tell you, that if your husband or wife, mother, father, young person are real born-again Christians, sin will depress your spirit because the Holy Spirit is grieved within you and you can't be happy and have a grieved Holy Spirit. It just don't go. And so it may be that within that little family circle, the family can't help you. The family may be conscious of it. At the table, they may be conscious of it. That possibly there's, there's something wrong. They may say, is, is, are you all right? You're feeling all right? And all the time, gnawing within your soul may be this horrible burden that's burning you within. And out of the depths, you're crying to God for deliverance. 
Isn't it strange the great conflict that can go on within the human breast and the soul sitting next to you on the train or wherever you go has not conscious of the great conflict going on within you as a human being. They cannot discern it. You may be working in your plant. You may be working at the desk. You may be working at the shop. You may be working any man. And the man next to you is going along and maybe he's whistling or doing something. The man on the other side. And you may even be humming a tune. And at the same time, this terrible conflict goes within us. We who are individuals to God. Oh, how greatly we have been wrought that this tremendous conflict goes on within our breast and not a soul around us can know it. And out of the depths you cry and the family can't help. Wife might say to the husband, aren't you feeling good? Could I get you your slippers? Don't fall over. Could I get you your slippers? You look pale tonight. Well, it may be that it's just been a wearying, terrible day, but it may be that you know in your heart something has defiled you, some story you've heard, some wicked, evil thing, something that has caused an imagination to pass through that brain of yours, that mind of yours. And how often I have thought of Thomas Akempis, this description of sin. I just mention it one more. Thomas Akempis was asked, what is sin? He said, sin is a fleeting imagination that passes through the mind. And the flesh grabs the imagination and hangs it upon the walls of the mind. And we look upon it and gaze upon it, and it drips its sweet honey down into our soul until we are consumed by the sin that we should have let go right through our imagination. This is sin. And so out of the depths we cry. And the family can't help. And men can't help us. Oh, you can come to the pastor. It's a wonderful thing to be a pastor and to be able to help and to pray and to talk. But there are times that you know within yourself I have to get this straightened out with God. It's me and God. And it must be straightened out. Sometimes people take an easier route. Sometimes people say, well, it'll only cost me $15. I'll go to the psychiatrist. A cheap one. I'll go to the psychiatrist. Maybe he can help me. But I want to tell you that no psychiatrist can help the tremendous torrent of guilt that rides through the Christian's heart when he has fallen into sin. And they can pill you to death. They can give you tranquilizers and tranquilizers so that you don't think about it. But stop the tranquilizers and the sin is there until you get straightened out with God. Your heart will break. And what's more, God wants to break it. He wants to break it. No, oh, beloved, how terrible it is. How terrible it is. Now, don't think I am against psychiatric help. 
if there's pathological cases, you may need a psychiatrist. But I want to tell you for the normal needs of life, for the frustrations, for the problems, Christ is the answer. Christ has the answer. When it becomes pathological, that's another matter entirely. But you cry out from the depths to God. Depths speak of the torment of a tortured mind. A mind tortured by its guilt. And out of such depths, the heart cries. And the man of God instinctively, instinctively reaches up to God. You can't drown sin. It's impossible. That's why the psalmist says, out of the depths I cry. You know, I wish, oh, I've often thought this, I wish there was some way. Of allowing human hearts to see the end result of the seeming excitements and pleasures of sin. To be able to honestly look forward and say, now, if I do this thing, what is the next step? And the next step. And the next step. And eventually, will I not face a wall where I can go no further. And by that time, I will be so consumed by this sin that I will be crushed. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could see the end of it? The whole of Scripture is written for this purpose. Paul tells us these things were written before time as an example to us. Did David get away with his adultery? No. Did Abraham get away with his adultery? No. Did Moses get away with his murder? No. You can go down the line of Scripture and God gives you example after example after example so that you don't think, I'm going to be different and beat it. You'll never beat it. You can't do it. You will come to the same place as the psalmist and have to say, out of the depths I cried. You know, it, it always strikes me. Ah. Uh, when I go down sometimes to the missions downtown New York, God's Lighthouse, or the Bowery, any of these missions. Incidentally, you know, the missions are having a lot of trouble. They don't get many people anymore. Bowery Mission and God's Lighthouse, I used to go down there and speak to 150 people if they have 10 at night or something. And the reason is everyone's on relief. All the fellas get a check. They don't need any more soup. They're eating much better. 
So nobody, in fact, God's Lighthouse told me just recently that the way it looks, they won't be there more than three more years or so. You'll probably have to leave the place completely because the ministry there is changing completely so that Brother Lothrop now and his son are involved in hospital chaplaincies. That's the big job they're doing now. But it always strikes me when I go down there that so many, you've heard this time and again, haven't you? Until you hit the bottom, you can't do anything for the alcoholic or the drunkard. God hit the bottom. Well, let me tell you, that's about what the psalmist is saying here. Out of the depths I cried. I've tried everything else. Nothing works. And Lord, I cry unto thee. Now, what are the depths of such despond? What are they? What are they? Well, they're multicolored. Let me put it that way. Multicolored. The feelings we have within our breasts are tremendous. You know, the preachers today are, to me, they're tinsel by and large compared to the great preachers of old. The great preachers of old, the puritanical fathers, men like Wesley, John Owens, men like Spurgeon, great preachers back from the 1670s, 1800s. These men really delved into all of the things that went on in the human heart. They made a study of it. Today it seems that there's so much frivolous preaching that means nothing. When all of the depths here are to be brought out to our hearts. What are the feelings of the heart? We just, as Ernie read the scriptures tonight, and then as we, we sang one of the hymns where I think it's Isaac Watts talks about himself being as a worm. And I tell you, these are some of the feelings that the heart gets when the heart has fallen into sin, Christian. Listen, I, I warn you of this because we're living in the last days, and I want to tell you something, Christian, my brother, my sister, young person, you're going to be warred against by Satan as never before in any age before this time. The Scripture says that Satan appears before the throne of God accusing the brethren. And I want to tell you that temptations will sweep in upon your soul and that mothers and fathers are conscious at this very moment that they have let down bars in their own spiritual lives that they never would have let down and Satan has deceived them. This is what we face. In this age, I want you to know what sin means. What sin will do to your soul. How sin will make you feel. You can't play with it. You can't get away with it. You can't use your money to enjoy sin. God will not stand for it if you're really his son. You will feel, if I might say, I said they're multicolored. What are the feelings of the heart? crying from the depths of this bond. Well, you feel like a worm and no man. 
It's within you. But I want to say this, when these things begin to happen, there's hope. When you begin to get these feelings that you're like the chief of sinners and the least of the saints, there's hope for you. We can even question salvation. Not what salvation is, but whether we are really saved. How many people I've had to talk to in the study come in, have been involved in some sin, say, Pastor, I, I, I want, do you think I'm really saved? Oh, God is dealing with their hearts. He's burdening them so deeply as he did David of old when David cried out, Oh, my bones do roll within me. My spirit is dry. He was burdened for his sin. And he says, And when I kept silence, the weight of God's hand was heavy upon me. When I confessed my sin, then he cried out, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. But oh, there is that terrible feeling within the breast. And we even question our own salvation. Not what salvation is. We know what it is. We know the redemption of Christ in his precious blood. But we question whether we're saved. Why? Because we have become involved in some deep defiling sin and we wonder, how could I do this? Let me tell you, there's hope then. There's hope then. God's dealing with you. God wants to put your flesh in the grave of Jesus. Oh, beloved, if I could impress you with one thing, to remember that the body is different than the flesh. The body is the temple of God. God says the flesh is carnal. In the flesh that dwells no good thing. He says, I've crucified it. I've put it in the grave of Christ. And when you came out, it was risen with Christ. That old flesh, your old man is crucified. Leave him dead. If he'd be dead with Christ, now are ye risen with him. That's what the scripture says. In that he died, he died unto sin once. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. What does it say then? Likewise, therefore, reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. The despond that comes. Oh, the time is flying. <laughs> the despond that comes to the heart. That deep despair. I am a worm and no man. We feel unworthy of life itself. We feel unworthy of love. We feel unworthy of We feel unworthy of a husband. We feel unworthy of children. We lose our very being. This is Christianity. When the Christian has fallen into sin. And anything less than that is not Christianity. For it indicates no indwelling Christ dealing with the human heart. We loathe ourselves. And then we cry out. Oh, there's much more, but I have to stop here. Then we cry from the depths unto the Lord. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. 
if thou shouldst mark sin, if thou shouldst record it, the Greek means, if thou shouldst keep in thy memory my sins, where will I stand? Oh, beloved, how can I impress you with what sin is? This crushing, terrible thing. This thing that Paul speaks of when he speaks to others and he says, you have seared yourselves and your conscience with a hot iron. What's happened to you, Paul says? I am God's chosen disciple. Born! taken from my mother's womb by God to do what I'm doing, yet do I realize that I am the chief of sinners. What has happened to thee? That thou canst go on in thy sin. Hast thou cried from the depths? God will not mock thine iniquity. He will not record it. He will remember it no more. Confess it. It will be in the deepermost parts of the sea, as far as the east is from the west. So thy sins removed from thee. If thou shalt confess thy sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't he wonderful? Listen, have you got any sin tonight that ought to be confessed completely? Father, mother, hmm? You get straight with God. You can carry on all kind of secret sin. You can carry it on physically. You can carry it on mentally. You can carry it on in any way. But oh God, help you to forsake it. To confess it. To leave it. By the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in your breast. Give you victory. Out of the depths have I cried. Oh Lord. Notice this psalmist, O oh Lord, my Lord, unto thee. Oh, you don't mock my iniquities, but you forgive my sins. I thank thee. And the wonderful thing happens, if I can just conclude with this, the heart suddenly becomes so free. You're breathing in a new atmosphere. All the polluted air is gone. <laughs> you got the example right around you, New York. Filled with polluted air. And when sin is resting upon the breast and the soul, it's like pollution we're dwelling in. And suddenly it's all gone. It's freed. He has not marked your iniquities, nor recorded them, nor will he remember them, because you have come in faith, believing, and confessed and said, Father, I not only confess them, I am going to forsake it. And suddenly you're a free man. Whosoever the Son shall make free, he is free indeed. And you're breathing a new atmosphere. And so you're walking on earth, and you're breathing in heavenly wafts of joy and peace. And oh, what a blessed moment. Don't ever miss it. It's the most precious of life. You've got to drink it in. Forgiveness is in the Lord. Praise be unto his name. Whatever the depths of the sin may be, out of those depths we cry to the Lord. And he doesn't remember it. And he doesn't mock it. 
it and he doesn't record it because in heart faith believing you've asked for forgiveness and he's forgiven you has the blood cleansed you completely you trusting Jesus let us pray father We've dealt rather deeply with a verse of Scripture. We pray that thou hast touched hearts tonight. And Lord, <clears throat> I would pray that as thy servant, if any tonight have been engaging in any sin, and I have not a judge, thou art the judge. Whatever it might be, it might be very secret. But oh, how it's affecting that life spiritually. How it's affecting a family life, even without the family knowing it. There just can't be sin in the camp without the whole camp being affected. And so, Lord, we pray that that sin might be confessed this night. Forgiveness received and the great joy of the Lord and the freedom of heart come, that there might be a walking in a new atmosphere, unpolluted, fresh and clean, walking with Jesus. And then if anyone should have come in without Christ, Father, may they do that which so many people have done in this church week after week, come to the door, and just as they pass me at the door, say, Pastor, I came tonight to Jesus Christ. And we will thank thee for it in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.